And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast brought to you by our longtime partners, the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com. We will be back at the Holy Grail this Saturday, 3.30 kickoff, as the Bearcats take on the Citronauts of Orlando Technical Institute in uh, what is, you know, probably the biggest game of the year. I will be there. Dave will not be there. But uh, (laughs) the Brendel crew will be there, as we always are, uh, when the Bearcats are on the road. So make your plans. Get down to the Holy Grail. And we will see you there. All right, let's get this show on the road. Sorry, we were uh, running a little late. Getting situated from a, uh, a good day with, with Kelly today at, uh, at Good Sam. Dave. We had an important, important team meeting prior to yeah, yeah, that. Ran, a little, ran little, a little over. Sorry. A little bit of a team meeting tonight. Apologize. Did, did you see the note the nurses left for me today, Dave? Yeah, I'm surprised it took them that long. So that was like the the fourth worst thing. They were I was go I went to get Kelly lunch. So I'm you know I went to Island Fridays, um, and I'm waiting for lunch. And when I come back, that sign was there, and you know we're having fun with it. And the nurses are like, "Oh, that's not even." Kelly wanted to make it even worse. She wanted to like eat lunch and then like fake a heart episode and like have them wheel her out on the like the bed like like she was dying that was kelly's idea on how to mess with me i think she should just change rooms and then have everybody not tell you what room she's in (laughs) you're like i just play fake amnesia like we don't know a kelly brendel like you must be at the wrong hospital sir (laughs) the problem is the psych ward is that way well the problem is dave we've been so like the floor that she's at at good sam is like the cancer floor that's where all the cancer patients are so we've been there for the better part of like the last five weeks um so i know the entire staff like when i come in i like by name hey 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 Feel bad for them. Yeah, that's the thing of me completely. Like, and I get it. Like, they, the reason that this came up is they were so happy yesterday that I was at UC all day and didn't, <laughs> I wasn't there all day. So, so they're like, actually, actually get some work done. You need to make sure that like he works as much as possible. And I'm like, well, unfortunately for you guys, I usually work at night and during the day, I'm here. So the day shift gets a you know a bad a bad deal, and then the night shift doesn't really have to deal with me all that much. But yeah, Kelly was gonna fake like a, another heart attack as a, a way to prank me. I think they should dress her up in like some some bandages for Halloween and make it seem like she's <laughs> got like lesions and and her chest is exploding like on uh, Alien or yeah yeah. We don't know what happened. She was fine 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Don't give him any ideas. They just don't give him any ideas. And then the other day, her primary care doctor comes in. He's got a Xavier quarter zip on. That would have been more alarming than anything else. Yeah. And then, he, and then he tried to play it off. He tried to play it off. I was like, I think we might have to get a different primary doctor. And out of nowhere, unprompted, he goes, oh, 
you're the Bearcat Journal guy, aren't you? Never thought of that. And I was like, you son of a bitch. You knew exactly what was going on here. <laughs> I'm sure he got his degree from a, a lovely website. Yeah, they don't have, like, yeah. Daryl, yeah, I, I, I need new nurses. Like, they, they have turned against me. All the nurses on the 14th floor uh, have turned against me. <laughs> it's, we laugh. Like, you know, normally, like, that's my theory on it, Dave. No, he was at Good Sam. The, the, the Xavier doctor was at Good Sam. My theory on it is, like, those ladies have a really difficult, like, they're dealing with cancer, like, yeah. every day. Yeah, you got to, so we're in a fortunate enough situation with Kelly where she's still in a, even though things are shitty right now, she's still in pretty good spirit. She's in a pretty good place. So we joke around and have some fun and, um, they know that, you know, I can dish it out, but I can take it. So they just left me a note today that told me, you know, to go home or to go to work and uh, that I wasn't welcome on the 14th floor today. And I was still there all day. So <laughs> um, we don't really like th this is a different situation for us because we spent an hour and 15 minutes already breaking down the SMU game. We did. Uh, so there is that. If you haven't seen that, you can catch the Bearcat Brunch uh, where I filled in. Now, are you going to be able to produce this weekend? Because once again, Aaron is not going to be there. Well, uh, I'm sure I can. It, will, it, will it be as terrible as it was last last Sunday? I don't know. I mean, well, there was maybe, a, you know, a, lovely, a lovely open of me just looking off to the side, reading the ad read, I believe. Like, thought, you can, thought, I, thought I had it all right, but apparently not. So, yeah. Uh, Aaron will be coming home from Orlando, I believe. Yeah. So, you, you might uh, you might need to jump on. I'll be on a plane for sure. Yeah. The flight lands at 11.15. I think I messed up, Aaron. I think we're still doing the bounce on Monday. Great. That's the next week when UC plays basketball on Monday that we were going to do Sunday. I don't know. We'll discuss. We'll, we'll figure get something your, out. Get Either way, I'm, I'm available. Well, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have to do the podcast while the Bengals are playing the Browns. Oh, on Halloween night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not available, so. N no, I, I figured as much. We'll we'll figure something out. Whether it be Sunday or Monday, we'll, we'll figure something out. We might have to do the Sunday bounce two weeks in a row. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, has anything else from the SMU game jumped in your mind? We've seen Luke's, Luke's press conference now. Uh, he addressed fourth and one. He addressed uh, the field goal where, I guess, 30 seconds. If, if the timeout was only two minutes and 30 seconds, they would have punted. But the extra thirty seconds uh, allowed them <laughs> to change their mind, and he he um, he advocated for shorter uh, TV timeouts so that he didn't he overthink things. Overthink, um, yeah. I did watch it, and at first I thought he was going to be on my side on the fourth and one, but then I feel like he then like changed his own mind in the middle of his comment. And, well. We talked about this a little bit last night on the, uh, the <laughs> night I, at first. I was like, Yes, he, he agrees with me. And then as he keeps talking, I'm like, Wait a second, no, he doesn't. He's changing his mind as he's talking. 
I think what he was saying was, <laughs> with the luxury of hindsight, I probably should not have done that. But that's who we are. And if put in that situation again, I'd probably go for it again because that's that's well, I did, how I I didn't coach. have hindsight. I know. But I think that's like – I think he started it by saying like, yeah, so now yeah. that I know what happened and we gave them momentum – I probably should have punted, but the way that I coach is put on the gas. I'm just, I'm just going to take it to mean that I'm this much closer to being a major division one football head coach because, <laughs> because my, my thinking is, is aligned for the most part, uh, you know, with truth, with true serum Luke. <laughs> he, was, um, he, he was hilarious yesterday. I agree. I mean, I, I like it when you. When, that's the thing is like, people want you to ask him these questions, and there is a fine line between just like coming in there with pitchforks and you know torches, being like, "Why did you do this? Why did you do this?" And you can ask if you can ask the question and get the answer that you want, where he will be honest. Like he will say, "Yeah, like I probably, you know, screwed that one right. up." But you also can say that and feel confident saying that when you have the record that he's had over the last five years and you have the confidence that you have and you have the track record of more times than not, your decisions have turned out to be the right decision. So it's easier for you to get up there and be like, yeah, maybe that one was, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Right. Like if, you know, if you're coming off three straight losses, you're probably not, you know, being like, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. You know, uh, you know. right. Um, the other thing is, I'm a professional. I know oh, how to ask press conference questions. Professional question asker. That's that's what I do. Like, it, my 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 background is in broadcasting. A big part of broadcasting is knowing how to frame and ask questions. If you listen every week, I get to the hard questions. I usually just get them to laugh about it or like find a way to soften the blow a little bit. Yelling at him is not going to work. No, you, you dummy. Why did you do right. that? Right. Right. <laughs> and I asked him about red zone and, and, and where the, the inconsistency, because there are, there have been games. They've been outstanding in the red zone. There have been games that they can't get anything done in the red zone. Like, where is the inconsistency coming from? I think that that's an important question to ask. I agree. I don't think he gave a very detailed answer. Loquacious other than answer. we're looking at it like. Oh, well, that's good to know. Thanks, Coach. Yeah. I'm looking at a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I think one. I think my biggest takeaway, and it's not necessarily an SMU takeaway, it's kind of just like a season takeaway, is that especially offensively, like we we've we've been excited, we've been encouraged, we've been whatever adjective you want to use about the players and everything coming into the season. I think it's become pretty crystal clear, and this is no knock on anyone in particular player, but like this offense is not anywhere near as good as last year's offense was. And that can be because of Dez. That can be because of Dez and Jerome Ford. That can be because of Dez, Jerome, Alec Pierce. That can be because of 
all those three guys plus Jake Renfro. That can be because of new offensive line coach getting some th- still getting some things maybe figured out. Some new- there's a myriad of reasons that it, that can be the case. Um, but I think it's pretty fair to say like this offense is not as good, and that's why we're kind of in some of these games that we typically or feel or feel like we shouldn't be in. And you know what? That's okay. Like it's okay, and, and I totally understand if you want to be like you want to hold the next team up to the greatest team ever and give very little wiggle room in regression or, you know, falling off a little bit. Like I'm fine with that. That's everybody can assess how they want to assess. The way I'm looking at it is like, it's not as good and that's okay. And if we're going to, if we win quote unquote ugly, I don't really care. I just want to keep winning because I never, I never thought that this team, this offense, was going to be as good as last year. I mean, like, I think Ben has been okay, especially the last couple of games, has not been great. But, like, I think it only goes to heighten and shine a brighter light on, like, how good Dez was last year and maybe how many things Dez's abilities papered over, um, made easier, made more cohesive, you know, all of those things. So, you know, I want everybody to play a lot better. I want to beat everybody by 30. I don't get kind of lost in the sauce of rankings and playoffs and things of that nature. But, I mean, let's be real. Like, they can do a lot better offensively. I think we feel they can do a lot better, especially offensively, because we've seen stretches where they have, and we feel like the talent is there if, to do better. It would be one thing if we weren't high on the talent and we're like, why can't these guys, you know, score more than 17 points a game? Well, because they don't have that many good players. I don't think that's the case. Um, but I just think that you have not as good of a unit as a whole, and you that opens you up to more inconsistencies. That opens you up to games like Saturday where you can't convert in the red zone or games like South Florida where you just don't seem to – be able to land that knockout punch. And and I'm just kind of now to the point where, like, I'm fine with it. There's five games left. They're in first place. The goal of winning the conference is still there. And if they need to win the conference by defense special teams, then they need to win the conference by defense special teams. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think they're as far off as, from last year as, as maybe you do. Um I, and that's not saying they're they're better than last year. I, I think they're closer to last year than than maybe you do. Um, I think they have at at times definitely been more explosive than last year. They've been but more. They've also been more inconsistent. But last year's team, when they wanted to put the pedal down, they put it down, and it didn't matter who it was against, except Alabama. Well, okay. <laughs> Except for the one time. Um, but you I know mean, what I mean. Hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. You know what I mean. Even like I know. N- Notre Dame needed a drive. Here comes the drive. Stop us. They couldn't. You know, UCF, Houston, whatever, you know, whatever the game was last year. Indiana, second half. Played like shit in the first half. Don't matter. We're going to put the hammer down in the second half, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. This team just does not have that gear. To this I, point. Think, I, I think I think a great way to put it is 
Des was able to put his foot on the pedal longer. Sure. Right? Like when, when they hit the gas, that team went a thousand miles an hour. When that when this team has hit the gas, the offense has exploded, but they just it hasn't been as like sustained as what you saw with the offense from last year. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, just you know, look at like Indiana, for example, the first half was a work of art. They change a couple things defensively, and we don't we don't make the you know the, the old cliche the adjustment to the adjustment. We don't either properly make the adjustment to the adjustment, or we we did, but we didn't execute what we were supposed to be doing. And it's not that it was like a close game, but you went from an offense that was literally running as efficient and as unstoppable as possible to 20 minutes later, they can hardly get out of their own way and, you know, can't do a darn yeah. thing. Tyler Scott not being there, clearly a major factor. It is. Um, but we, at the same have... time, like, everybody's dealing with something. Like, you're, yeah, but I mean, your offense like, can't be to the point where, like, uh, one guy hey, goes out. Jamar Chase goes out for the Bengals. What happens? They throw the ball to T. Higgins and Tyler Bordenmore. Uh, T. Higgins went out for a game and a half, and the offense was shit. You know what I mean, though. No, I, I yes, but I don't agree, necessarily agree with it. Oh, I like Tyler Scott is your stretch the field, make the safeties have to respect everything so we, that's happening. Uh, am I saying that, that 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 that's an excuse for them to be terrible? No, they haven't been terrible. They've been slightly above average, or maybe a little bit more than slightly been above average. Quite a bit below average when he's been out. And the other part, when they went into the win, they were fine. Their offensive numbers the last win, the last two weeks have plummeted from an efficiency. They, they were fine in the first and third quarter. Second and fourth quarter, they were they sucked. No, they were but also, the number four passer in the country looked like dog shit trying to do the same thing, throwing into that win. Yeah, but we kicked, we kicked three field goals with the wind. In the third quarter. They were, yeah, they, they should have done better in the red zone. No no argument there. But you're also, maybe those drives don't even get to the red zone if Tyler Scott's on the field because Tyler Scott scores a 40-yard touchdown. Maybe they don't. I'm just saying I, I think you can figure out some ways to combat that. Well, we've seen the emergence of Jaden Thompson against these against these teams that aren't exactly you know we're talking about South Florida's defense and SMU's defense. Yeah, they're not great defense. Like, should have done more. I would love to have seen that game played without the wind because I think it's a completely different deal. Yeah, I mean, but it is what it is. Uh, Jason goes back to talking about the tight ends. I mean, we talked about these numbers. Ad nauseum, they're throwing to the tight ends. Um, that's skins, Aaron. Just so you know, that is skins, Bob Pulte Chevrolet. I know. <laughs> I, I could tell by the hashtag. Yeah, that's that's him. He's just trying to hide from you right now. <laughs> um, we agree. We think tight ends in the red zone needs to be more of a thing. Like we have talked about that pretty much every week. For the past, what, three weeks, Dave? I just think scoring in the red zone needs to be more of a thing. I don't really care how. Yeah, but I think, like, looking to your your two, you know, two of your three biggest 
most physical targets in the red zone could be could be beneficial. Right? Well, yeah. I think we all agree with that. I don't think there's anybody that says that they're using I think in terms of the regular flow of the offense, I think they're using the tight ends adequately. Um, I think in the red zone, I would like to see them more. Yeah. But um, the, one, they have to get Trey Tucker back on track mm-hmm. uh, because that was one catch for nine yards without Tyler Scott. Like that's essentially eliminating your number one and number two targets. That's that's yeah. going to impact the passing game. Yeah, there's not a lot of games that this team is going to win <clears throat> when you know Tyler Scott doesn't play and Trey Tucker has one catch. It's not good. It's yeah, you got to be able to generate some more stuff, um, especially with Trey. I feel like we just need to get the ball in his hands a little bit more, like early game, quick stuff. We don't really run any just like catch the snap, throw it out to the side, let him make a move. Um, we do, well, we did. do, we do run some, twice. well, we run some jets. He ran some, a jet to him. Yeah. But I mean, they ran a quick hitter to him that he dropped on the yeah, first I'm, drive. I'm talking of like a, a screen more type than just, he was like, I mean, does it years. matter how? Like, yes, it, yes, it does. In my mind, it does. They ran a screen to him. He was wide open. He could have ran for 20 yards and he dropped the ball or they ran a slant. He was wide open. He, the, the, the green yeah. dress in front of him. Right? Yes. But you would have rather that have been a screen? Yes. Okay. Well, what if he drops the screen? Then he drops the screen. It's still incomplete. <laughs> he dropped Does, the slant. Doesn't change. Like, I, like, if your argument is get the ball to him early in space and let him create, they did that and he dropped the ball. Yes. I don't think it matters how. Oh, to me, it absolutely does. Why? Because guys get in flows of games. Like, we want to get the ball to Josh and Lenny. Get the ball to them early. Get the ball to them to get them in the – Okay, make- but you're not making a good – like, what – if he catches that pass and gains 20 yards, doesn't that get he him in the flow early? He wasn't 20 yards. He was on the ground. The first one he dropped that was a little bit behind him, he had green grass in front of him to turn up field and make a big game. Yes, if the pass was better. The pass was kept more than catchable. He got both hands on it. I'm saying, if you want him to run with, you need to rewatch that then, because if the if he had caught that, he was not running with the ball. He had to turn gets, around. He had to turn he around up to speed pretty fast. Hey, Chad, he had to dive to catch the ball. I think we're talking about a different drop. No, he had two. He had one on the jet sweep and one on the on the second play of the game, or the first play of the game actually, the first offensive play. Okay. Yeah, it's like Aaron's explosive play argument. No, it's not at all. You're both wrong. (laughs) Do you want me to talk about football or not? I I just, I don't see the difference in like getting in the ball in space is getting the ball in space. What if Ben throws a bad screen pass to him? Then he has to turn around and like make a, you know, catch that slows his momentum. Then that's on Ben. I, I think you're arguing for the sake of arguing at this point. Okay, sure. 
Uh, outside of Tyler Scott, does this offense have any other great players? Yes. Yeah, I know it was behind the receiver a little bit, but he still had plenty of room to make a play. Um, <clears throat> there's Yes, Josh and Lenny are great players. I think we're seeing Jaden Thompson become a really good player. Are we not? I think Trey Tucker has proven to be a really, really very, very good slot receiver. Like there's Charles McClelland has, has had three 100 yard games. He's got almost 700 yards rushing in seven games. Like if you think this offense lacks playmakers, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That's where the frustration comes from, that they haven't been able to find consistency, right? They've got plenty of guys that can play. Would you agree with that, Dave? Yes. Okay, good. We're back on track. Yes, they are. I mean, asking the question a different way doesn't change my answer. It's been. I don't understand that it's been two years now that they haven't. They had a top... They had the best offense in school history last year. By every and they're not far off of that now. By every metric possibly measured. And they're not far off of that now, and they haven't played great. Like, I, I don't – yes, they are. They have very good, very, very good to great players on offense. I, 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 I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bearcat 12. I can't. I don't know what that Dave's means. already frustrated me enough. I don't know what you're getting at. You let that frustrate you? Jeez. No, I'm just, I'm just... <laughs> um, but the, the problem is they've been too reliant on the big play. Right? Like, I, I think that when they don't hit the big play, that is when they've hit these lulls of, two, three, four drives where we just don't see any, like, you know, sometimes it's okay to have a seven play 40 yard drive that either ends in a punt or uh, a field goal attempt. No, I agree with that. You know I, think I, mean? that's, I think that's why I'm like, I, I'm all about like explosives and, and that stuff. But I, I think we either like, we have a, we either run the ball or we or everything is is like a lot of it. I shouldn't say everything. I don't want to pigeonhole, but like the it feels like the vast majority of the the, the passing attack is has become so much down the field that there's like there's literally no intermediate game in the passing game. I think that's supposed to be Trey Tucker, right? Well, I mean, I think it could be Trey. It's the tight ends. It's the running back. Like, we don't see screens to the running backs. I mean, we saw the one against Arkansas. Have we seen one since? Yeah, I, don't, I just don't think that's a big part of Geno's playbook. He said, I, he I don't said, know. He said it was going to be in the offseason. Yeah, but I don't know <laughs> at this point. Like, to run effective screens, are you comfortable, like, getting Jeremy Cooper in space on a screen? I'm just – I'm more comfortable getting Chuck the ball. Yeah, but if he doesn't have somebody that can get out there and block for him, like screens a lot of times are predicated by the offensive lineman letting the defense come upfield, 
throwing the screen and then the offensive lineman getting down the field and blocking down the field. I don't know that that's a strength of Jeremy Cooper. No, maybe not. But I, I think there that's I think that's a miss, not the screen itself. But I think that this this intermediate, the quick game, whatever I mean, whatever you want to call it, is a missing element to the offense that you know can work as part of the run game, but is is a added piece to this downfield passing game, which I think is good, but like, you know, we, we, you know, I think we can get on Ben and, and, you know, he, I don't think he's been great the last two weeks, but like the passes that he's being asked to throw are not, not very Easy. high percentage throws. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that you should just become a check down Charlie and, 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 and play it that way. But like, there does need to be a little bit, I feel like, a little bit of a balance inside the passing game itself to where not everything is some shot play or almost, you know, almost shot play type situation. There's, you know, just give the guy some easy throws, give him some hook routes, give him some, some five yard stop routes. Like with Tyler Scott's speed and Trey Tucker's speed and Nick Martiner's size and like, you could five to seven yards these teams down the damn field. Because Ben is because yeah. Ben is accurate. We haven't seen a ton of that. That's that's fair. And um, and that's where I'm like, everything doesn't need to be a 15 yard at the at the least type of, of pass play. Well, it does for Aaron. But only 20. 15 doesn't count. I, I'm saying like to have sustained drives. And and like yeah. you said, like you're not touchdown drives can't just be like three and outs or pick up one first down. Right. I mean, I think we're in full agreement there. And so that's what I'm looking to when I say like get trade the ball faster, that's what I mean. Is like, yes, he's super fast and he can run by everybody on the field. But like I'm also cool with him on first down catching a quick throw and running up the sideline for eight yards. Yeah. I, all I was saying there is I don't think there's much of a difference between throwing him a quick slant or throwing him a, a screen. There's not in the in the sense of like just saying one play versus the other, but I'm just saying like in general we see one of those things, we don't see the other. Yeah. And I would just I, – I mean I can't imagine that it's not in the playbook. Yeah. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I haven't seen the playbook. Nobody's giving me a copy. Yes, <laughs> for that next year. Yeah, I'll ask Gino uh, Saturday. Well, I won't see him Saturday because they're on the road, but I'll ask him next week. Can I get the playbook? Just to cross reference. Yeah, I just want know. to become a smarter, smarter fan. I want to cross reference what I'm seeing on the field to what's in the playbook. That's, That's all. right. I'm sure Luke won't have a problem with it. No, no, me. no. <laughs> But 10 no, to 11 mile an hour wins on Saturday. That's, that's, that's nothing. That's, that's, that's casual. That's normal wins. You were talking at SMU. They were 30 mile an hour sustained wins. Not like wind gusts of 30 miles an hour. Like the wind was just blowing 30 miles an hour. And apparently it blew all the SMU fans out of the stadium. <laughs> 
sitting room only. Still my favorite line of the week last week. Oh, sitting yeah. room only. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's enough on SMU. Um, let's uh let's turn our attention to the Citronauts or the Knights of Gold, Central Florida, Orlando Technical Institute. What what happened to them on Saturday night, Dave? It's a really good question. I don't know if I have ever gone from and this might not be a good thing. This might be a bad thing. I don't know. I'm not sure if I have ever gone from thinking one thing about a game after our game to like six hours or however many hours later thinking something totally different. Yeah. Like, what they did and didn't do at ECU has given me so many questions and had me digging so deep into some of their stuff to try to get an idea of like, how does that happen? Because we know we we've had our struggles at ECU and we've won the game and you know, so it's and not there was there was there was a couple points like late second quarter, early third quarter where it was like seventeen. Okay, they're gonna seven, seventeen to ten. Yeah, they're gonna turn it on and and pull away from ECU. They kicked the field goal at the end of the half. They got the ball to start the second half. They went right down the field and scored, and it's seventeen to ten. And then they just let ECU march right down the field and score and go up twenty four ten. And it was like, well, that's it. So they never had an answer. No, ECU punted. Well, ECU punted once. UCF punted once. They turned the ball over four times, but, um, but I, I just like just. It's not even like digging into the numbers of that game. It was really just watching that game. That I was just like, I just watched it going. They have no idea what ECU is trying to do on either side of the ball. Yeah. Like ECU was running on them pretty much at will. We had the, um, the, Holt Naylor's was 30 to 36. What's the kid that, <laughs> what's the Johnson, the kid? That Johnson. Yeah. They've moved him into the slot. Um, and it's had a, a big effect for them this year, but like defensively, they, they kind of did what I think UC will do, which is, just try to get home with three or four and play coverage and make John Rice Plumley beat you through the air. Um, I don't know. It was just like, I, I guess I expected UCF to win. Cause I think I still think they're pretty good, but like if our fans get frustrated with the offense and the inconsistencies, like their fit, like, I, I, I enjoy prepping and, and I enjoy this game because they they for all the things that we make fun of and joke about like they do have a lot of a lot of podcasts to listen to <laughs> I'll, I'll say that um, man they are they are in their feelings big time like they are they they absolutely for the most part want John Rice Plumley benched which kind of cracks me up because I think they just don't think that I guess do they not know who their backups are don't like they have you, the kid from usf 
Yeah, but he's not even – he's like fourth on their depth chart. I don't even know if he's eligible this year. I'm not sure even – like, he's not their backup. I mean, I know he got there late. Like, the whole transfer thing happened late. He's not their backup. The guy that's, ne- that's literally never – like, hardly ever played and stuff for mop-up time is their backup. So, I'm like, you really want him to start this game? Right. Like, a redshirt freshman? And, like, Mikey Keene, the guy that played last year, I think, is their third stringer. So – um, but like they are totally out on John Rice. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say all of them. Some of them are totally out on John Rice Plumley, and I think like we talk about him from a running quarterback because UC struggled with KJ Jefferson and struggled with Gary Bohannon. But I think those are two totally di- like those guys were running RPO power. Like they were, this, yeah. John Rice Plumley is like arguably the fastest guy on the field. <laughs> yeah. Like, those guys were like, RPO, hold it for a second, and then come downhill like like a freight train. That's not John Rice Plumley. No, but, like, I, I dug into his numbers and just, if you just look at teams they've played with a pulse and teams that I would categorize as not having a pulse, you have some pretty stark... Uh, splits when it comes to his quarterbacking numbers. So South Carolina State, FAU, and Temple, he's almost 71%, a little over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception, four sacks, 11.4 yards per attempt, six yards per carry, six touchdowns. Louisville, Georgia Tech, SMU, and ECU, which none of those teams are going to be you know, mistaken for having defenses anywhere near what you sees is. Right. He's 59% passing under 800 yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions, 11 sacks, 6.8 yards per attempt. It's almost five yards difference in yards per attempt in versus those four teams versus the other three. And if you go look at those other three games, most of the passes he were throwing, he was completing, were the guys running wide the fuck open. Oh, yeah. Like, not contested at all. Yeah, so, I'm not saying, like, I still think, he, like, I'm not, I mean, maybe because I don't watch them, and, and he, I mean, he can, I mean, his numbers just aren't that, they're not that bad. I don't understand why they're so, like, I mean, I think he does some things that would drive you crazy if you're a fan. Like, he refuses to throw the ball away. He, like, and UC needs to be aware of this. Like, he will not throw the ball away. He will either take the sack, he will run around, run out of bounds, or he'll try to complete the pass. So, like, unless he just changes that in his MO from one week to the next, like, they need to be aware of that. The play is never dead with him. He's not going to throw it away. So I, I'm sure that can drive you absolutely crazy, especially if you're like against ECU. He threw three interceptions and got sacked four times. And they're probably like, if you would just throw the damn ball away, ha- half of these things wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, the interceptions were bad against ECU. But like Gus Malzahn this week said that he's still getting used to the offense. What does what maybe that's Ben's problem? He's just still getting used to the offense. That's all. I mean, that's a (laughs) that's a that's a weird thing to say. 
to the media to the media when you're seven games in. Right. And this guy's been your starter all spring. There's, and there's only five games left. I mean, how much more used to it can he get? <laughs> uh but like he's got issues with he will throw the like so Ty Van Fossen, Deshaun Pace, be on the lookout. He will absolutely throw the ball on an RPO right to a linebacker. You just have to catch it. Yeah. He, he did it last week against ECU. He did it the week before against Temple. The Temple guy didn't catch it. Like, he will just throw it in that area where he thinks that the linebacker is vacated and the guy is just standing right there. Progression is not really a strength of, uh, of his game. No, because, I mean, that's mainly, I think, because of his running threat. Like, I wouldn't be telling him to sit back there and, and get to three. Yeah, but, I mean, even getting to, like, the second and third read, it's like, read, throw it, and if not, take off. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, if you, they, they work real good offensively against SMU. Temple was Temple was 21 13 with five minutes to go in the second half. And then they scored three more touchdowns in in the second quarter, excuse me. And then they scored three touchdowns in the last five minutes of the second half, second quarter, and then blew the doors off in the second half. So like that was a fairly close game for most of the first half. He was eight, eight for 16 for 49 yards against Georgia tech. Uh, and 16 for 34 for 131 and an interception four sacks against Louisville. So, like, his good game against a team with comparable talent this year has been against SMU at home. Yeah. And they are at home, and they play well at home. But UC's also won, I think it's eight straight conference road games. And It's only, it's only eight? I mean, well, that's about right, I guess. They're at 19... Straight conference wins. Yeah, I think it's eight straight road games that they've okay. won. Two extra home games with the conference championship game at UC. Yeah, so that it's just like, and I think this is where this is where when you look at UC and we look at them and we have recent recent history in our mind, I think this is where it clouds things for other. For other teams, where like even the some of the UCF guys I listened to this week were like they even said they're like, this is not 2017 2018 anymore. We need to stop like thinking about this team and their performance as if these are anywhere near the same player. I mean, same players, same team, things of that nature. Um, they have nobody on their roster that's beaten UC. They have a very very small handful of players. Um, well, it, here's the thing that like, here's where I agree with them. You are, you are not 2017, 2018, because you're running an entirely different offense that, I mean, outside of, I guess the temple game and like temple turnovers really like skewed that at the end of that first half. Right. Yeah. But like, I, I think back to like, excuse me, 2019 in a game where Cincinnati got up a couple scores and then all of a sudden in the blink of an eye at the end of that game, 
boom, boom, straight down the field, straight down the field. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's a one-score game where you're like hanging on at the end. This is not a UCF team that is built to just like, you know, four plays, 80 no, yards. They're, I think they're not touchdown. like that because the quarterback's not. Of course, that, right, because he's not. The quarterback's not consistent enough. The wide receiver group is not even near as good as what they've had. Um like I'm confused by a lot of their usage. Like Johnny Richards O'Keefe or O'Keefe at all last week, did they? O'Keefe didn't touch the ball until the fourth quarter. They have him down for four catches for like twenty-eight yards or something, three catches for twenty-eight yards. He didn't touch the ball until the fourth quarter. Until the they two, were trying to got down big and were trying to come back. But the two games prior to that, he had 13 catches for 230 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. So, like, I'm absolutely expecting them to be like, oh, shit, we need to course correct that and get Ryan O'Keefe the damn ball. Yeah. It's like, how do you go from, from those numbers the previous two weeks to then not touching it? In the four, but I'm sure the S- SMU really wanted to get Ashy Rice the ball, too. Sure. I mean, they tried. They at least gave him 12 targets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just didn't do much with him. Like Johnny Richardson, who I think is a pretty good running back. He's probably their fastest running back. He touched the ball once last week. So I don't know what they're doing. Like, Isaiah Bowser is still getting the majority of their carries. I don't think he's their best running back. I think R.J. Harvey is. Um, he went like, to the same school as Austin Elmore. How can he be any good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're already you're out in my book. <laughs> uh, their wide receivers have drop issues. Their offensive line struggled big time against ECU, which is kind of surprising because they're a very veteran group. Um, but I think we can we can have them uh, similar to last year. I think that's the I think that's the thing is like this pressure, and we've seen it against anybody that we've played. Regardless of what they've tried to do, they haven't been able to stop it. I don't see UCF really being able to stop it. The only thing that just concerns me is Jabari. Had well, Jabari, just like how do you play coverage so that if if you create lanes and Plumley runs, that you're not just giving up these huge chunks of of yards? Like, do you just you commit a spy to him basically? Um, it's not, it's not their MO, but if you're going to play, that's the problem. If you're going to play a bunch of man, that leaves, that's where the running quarterback has his advantage is when you are playing. I, I do man. wonder, I wonder if we see more like of that, the trestle zone blitz stuff. I mean, I would think the playing zone coverage in this game, trying to confuse him, trying to slow him down, trying to keep him in the pocket. Like, because if you just if you run their receivers out and we're playing man and we don't get to him, there's a t- there's going to be a ton of space for him to run. So yeah. you know, that's just that's one of the things with man coverage. Like you better get there or or not have a quarterback that's if, if the quarterback's not movable, then it doesn't matter. But he is not right. that case at all. Right. If they do go spy. I argued this last night on PTP for a moment. I don't spy Ivan. No, I let him. Rush. I don't want Ivan standing stationary. No, spy Deshaun. Or or or, or spy uh, the the will. Or Ty. spy Jaheen. Spy yeah. anybody. Like a, spy a safety. Like 
Pull somebody, pull Threats. somebody down. Threats as a spy would definitely be interesting, wouldn't it? Pull somebody, He's got the athleticism. Sure, pull somebody. No, you, you're because with Ivan, if you're a, a spy, is reacting. I don't want him. Re, I want him going. Right. That's what that was my argument last night. I don't want him standing there waiting to see what Plumley does because Plumley's more athletic than him. Like. Yeah, that was always the thing that I got the biggest kick out of when teams would spy Des. I'm like, your spy is not as athletic as our quarterback. Right. So what what, what good is that going to do? He's still going to outrun him. Right. Um, their, offense, their offense can, can probably will. I mean, they have too many good – still have too many good players. Like, Plumlee is still an uber, uber talented athlete, if Running not – He's been he's been an okay like as bad as he was against ECU, he was still twenty five for thirty seven. He was still twenty for twenty nine against SMU. It's not like he's fifty percent. He's the he's the best completion percentage of anybody they've played this year. Better than Mordecai? Oh yeah, Mordecai is barely was barely over fifty percent on the year. Oh, huh? I didn't realize his percentage was that bad. Mm-hmm. I always thought him to be fairly accurate. Uh, defensively. Defensively, they have... They're good. They, they can be good. They can be good. They're number one in the country in red zone. They're... Luke was surprised when I told him that yesterday. What, they were number one in the country red zone defense? Yeah. He didn't know? Come on, come I'm, on coach. I'm sure he was playing coy. <laughs> you know how he likes to do when I ask him questions. When I ask him questions, he likes to act like it's the dumbest shit he's ever heard. Until he starts answering, and he's like, eh, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> For sure. Um, they don't sack the quarterback. They don't really get pressure. They're decent with TFLs. They have two interceptions. They play off coverage, which I think is annoying to their fans. So I don't know what that means for us. Like, if they're going to play off even more, if Tyler Scott plays – does that open things up for some of the things that I've, you know, we talked about earlier? Um, but I'm wondering, so how much of their defensive numbers are buoyed by who they've played? Fair. They have not played a litany of, Awesome offenses. So you have obviously you have South Carolina State. That's a FCS team, and I'm not even sure how good they are. Yeah. Temple's offense is number one. Tw- if we're just going by SP plus, and everybody knows that I use that because it's easy to get the information, and I have a fairly good idea of what I mean. Temple's offense is 126. FAU's is 97. Georgia Tech's is 96. Uh, then you have ECU, SMU, Louisville. So we both played SMU's offense. They're the best that they've played 25th. But like Louisville's is 57th. That's worse than Tulsa's. That's way worse than Arkansas's. It's worse than Central Florida's. And ECU's is 48th. Just, just a little bit ahead of Tulsa. 
twenty something spots behind SMU. So UC's offense with even with the struggles that we we've noted and we've seen, like UC's offense is a good bit better just in that metric. Doesn't mean you know, I'm sure you can find another metric that tells you it's it's not as good as some of these, but like it's the second best offense they've played. Or will have played. Yeah. So the the not getting pressure on the quarterback, and they're not they're not super against the run. They've been really good against the pass, like passer pass efficiency defense. I think is is a very very high mark for them. So they they've done very well against the pass. They don't do as well against the run, but they don't. They also don't do as well. You know, in certain elements, stop. Which the says pass. to me they don't get much of a pass rush, and they play off. They're playing a lot of shell. They're playing a lot they're of shell, a lot of and dropping and cover, dropping cover. Yeah, they have twelve sacks, four of them by Traymon Morris Brash. Um, they forced six fumbles, recovered five. But yeah, they're not like a big play defense. They're not causing a lot of havoc behind the line of scrimmage. They have a fairly good stop rate. Like ours is 25th, theirs is 27th, I think. So no real advantage either way there. But I, I think this is a run the ball, hit your kill shots game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't see the offense taking any, like, big, huge strides necessarily this week compared to the last two. Um, they have more athletes. They have a better scheme. They have, they've, they've played it better. Um, but I mean, at the same time, they just let Holt Naylor's complete 80 something percent of his passes. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, they've got some nice receivers. You see us some nice receivers. Um, but yeah, I think they just play a lot of zone, keep the stuff in front of them, break on the ball, no big plays, try to try to go about it that way. Um, this is going to be a game offensively. UC has to be patient and sustain drives. For sure. I have another John Rice Plumley spun stat, by okay. the way. He has zero touchdowns and five interceptions against teams with winning records this year. Passing. Passing, yes, not rushing. Yeah. Uh, Keith said, uh, Fick mentioned me yesterday during the Montgomery and coaches show with regards to building up the UCF rivalry. Um, are you a, ri- a rivalry builder? I am a rivalry builder. Apparently that's, that's fun, but I, I, I've never gone out of my way to try to like go at UCF fans other than just their insane ignorance to the fact that all of UC's success should be. They should bend the knee. They, they, uh, I can say they got a, you know, they got quite a dose of humble pie Saturday. I see that. They I have was not, upset about the ECU game. They have not said shit. A word. And they, they like two. It seems like to a person, they're like, could we win? Sure, we could win. We have good players. We're at home. Like we've we've played in good games. This like they're like, are we going to win? Absolutely not. <laughs> that worries me maybe more than anything. I think they, they're, they've been humbled a little bit. They're so inconsistent. And, the, and that's the thing that I've gathered from listening to their side of things is like, 
they're so inconsistent week to week that they have no idea how to how to gauge what to expect. Right. Offensively and defensively, because they're like, we thought the defense was good, and then we go to ECU and they shred us. So it's like, is it just because we're playing bad teams or bad offenses? Like, what? How does that happen? Right. So yeah, that, I, I can see how that game would like, like, there ain't no, there ain't any, there, there's not a single. UCF, like loudmouth, that is showing up in either of our mentions all week. Well, I mean, the way I looked at it was, do you go? Can you go on the road and lose that game? Of course you can. Sure. Like, they have a very veteran team. It's not easy to play there. You're not like a, you know, you're not like a CFP team. And so of course you could you can go there and lose that game. But to look the way they did, and to lose the way they did, just opens so many questions to me. Like if you're the coaching staff and you come out of that game, you're like, what the hell happened? Like we, we obviously thought we had a good game plan. Like nobody goes into a game and goes, Oh my God, this is like the worst game plan we've ever put together. If we keep it within, <laughs> if we keep it within 40, we'll be lucky. Like right. so you obviously thought you had a good game plan and you go in there and right from the jump, ECU goes right down the field. They miss a 25 yard field goal. You then drop what, I guess I didn't see it, but drop what probably would have been a touchdown pass. On the very next play, John Rice Plumley throws an interception. They go right down the field and score a touchdown, and it's 10 nothing. like in a matter of – I mean, they had the ball for like 11 and a half minutes of the first quarter. ECU yeah. did. So you're coming after that game going, what the hell just happened? And now we have to put a game plan together against the best team in our league. Isn't this what Gus was always known for at Auburn, though? Like, he would have a what-the-hell-was-that-loss to, like, Ole Miss and then would beat Alabama. Yeah, but we're a year and a, a, year and a half into Gus at UCF, and he haven't won a big game yet. I know. I'm just – but it, I, it's my question actor, yeah. my yeah, statement actor. I mean, yeah, but, like, your uh, – <laughs> I think your players help you with that as well. What do you mean now you understand why Chad wears a hat? That's got great, great salad. Of hair. Great salad. Very, very jealous. It's just, it's just been under a hat. Like, I often t- I have people ask me, why do I wear a hat all the time? Because I got a great head of lettuce, and I just have a hat on all the time. But thank you, Keith. Much appreciated for the... Yeah, the I mean, that's, that's definitely in his history, but I'm not sure that's who they are now. Like, yeah, I mean, I I, just, he, hasn't, I just, he hasn't shown that at UCF, just, but it does no, concern me. It's such a it's such a weird thing to like try to quantify, but like, I don't see any juice with them. There has been at home, mostly. Yeah, but they've still dropped. They still, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the good teams they've played the last. I mean, they lost to Louisville this year at home. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, for some reason, like my uh, my hair just is like um, like it feels pressed because I've had the hat on all day. Usually, by like when we do this, I'm putting the hat on for one of the first times that day. I, I had the hat on sitting in the hospital room all day, 
and it just feels like it like I, I needed to give it some freedom. So I gave it a little bit of freedom. I had it on, Stephen. It was on for an hour. I think he's telling or, or you fifty-five it, minutes. I think he's telling you to put it back on. It just like I felt like I like had to <laughs> like like I, I had to take it off. Um, I think that one of my big keys. What's is, their special teams? Like, I got I just pulled some kicker out of nowhere, and the kid's awesome. Okay, he's like nine for nine on field goals. I think. Um. Yeah, they got fast, dude. So if you let them return kicks, they're gonna. Yeah. They have a chance to pop them. But we know that's not gonna happen. Typically, no, wouldn't. Um, <laughs> first quarter to me is is big. They've been slow starters all year. You know, the most they've scored in the first quarter in their, you know, games against real teams has been seven. And they were trailing to FAU in the first quarter in that game. I mean, they didn't score against DCU. They scored three against SMU. They scored three against Georgia Tech. UC also not been exactly the hottest starting uh, team in the first quarter. No, at, at 10 Saturday. Yeah. they. I mean, they should have had more. They had like 37 <laughs> against, they had like 100 against Indiana. <laughs> Indiana's not good. Dave. No. They um, lost to Rutgers. No, but start fast. I think their fan base is on edge. Like they they want to they want to think that this is like okay, we're back home. We you know, huge game, let's go. But like you start fast, you take them out of the game. Maybe John Rice Plumley doesn't start the best and I'm not I'm not saying they're going to like turn on him, but like I think they're on edge. Like they need to see something to get to build confidence. And I think they are a, a wounded wounded team right now like i don't know how you can't be like i don't know how you go on the road for your first road game out of the state all year and put up that performance and then come back and think that that we're just gonna flip a switch and all of a sudden um you know fix all those errors while playing a a team that especially defensively is much much better I just wear the hat so nobody confuses me with Gino. Gino and I do have a similar salt and pepper. That's that's uh, where the similarities end. Yeah, just just the lettuce. <laughs> that's it. Just the lettuce. Um, this will be for you. Can we run the ball against this team? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yes, we we can. Um, I think we should. We should. We need to. I, I want to see like a more varied attack with from Corey. But yes, we can definitely run the ball against them. Look, we're at a point right now, Dave. Chuck's Chuck's the better running back. Oh, yes, and, and Keaton Mitchell is much more is an ECU's running back who's much more in the Chuck mold. ECU did an app, and this is one thing that I didn't write down. I'm glad you just that question was brought up about running backs because uh, UCF did an absolute awful, awful, awful job of containing the edge in the run game. There were several times where. The play was designed to kind of go off guard or off tackle, and Mitchell bounced it outside, and there was nobody there. Their defensive ends crashed down hard and repeatedly and would love to see Chuck get the ball in some space, get the ball moving to the outside, try to take advantage of whether that's a scheme thing where they're over-aggressive to crash down or – 
maybe just flat errors on their part. I don't know. It's not like Ehlers was going to pull it and run the option. Right. So um, definitely a game they can run the ball. Or, I mean, I, they better be. I'll just say they better be able to run the ball. If they don't run the ball, they're, they're not going to win. Um, so, I mean, my, my thing is start fast and trust. I just – I. I felt going after the SMU game, I was like, they're not going to go down there and win. And then? And then I watched <laughs> the team play a game against a, a reasonable opponent, look totally unprepared, totally uninterested. And I just was like, I just trust Vic in the defense too much. Yeah, I mean, I think we all, because that was, it was what, a Friday night game, Temple? Last week, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of even their fans too have admitted like we definitely got, you know, slurped up in the in the seventy points. Yeah, like okay, like the 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 UCF like offensive juggernaut is is back on track. Oh, because when it's when it's rolling, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. You're crashing the run. They're throwing over your head. You're scrambling to figure out what they're going to do. They're running. You know. Inside, I mean, Plum, Plumlee, was, Plumlee was 18 for 22 for 373 and four touchdowns against Temple. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, a week later, he, he th- throws the ball the other team four times, or three times, and fumbles once and takes four sacks and, you know, against a defense that no one's going to be comparing to UCs. Agreed. So I think it's, you know, if you're looking for some huge games offensively, I don't think this is the game that you're gonna gonna see it. I think this is a go down there, bully ball, trust thick, trust the defense, put Ben in good situations to make to make high percentage throws and withstand whatever initial onslaught they might have and, and go win the game in the second half. Yeah. I, I think this is this is what does scare me a little. I think this is like kind of a program defining game for Gus. Because as you said, they have not played well against the, the better teams that they've gone up against. But they have shown life. It's they certainly have shown... uh, it's certainly our season's over game. Yeah, that's know, like that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is like if if they can win this, this gets everybody back kind of on board, right? It, it at least, yeah. I mean, it, it at least at the very least, it's like we can still go to the conference championship. Yeah, but I mean, just in terms of like. Their fans feel like they're teetering. Right oh, now. they're they're absolutely teetering. That's what I meant by when I said like start fast. They're on edge. If they if they lose this, and especially if they lose it like thirty one seventeen or something where like where it didn't feel like they had you know Cincinnati gets up fourteen nothing you know, ends up winning 31-17, you know what I'm saying? Something along those lines where it never really felt like Mm -hmm. they had a chance to win the game. 
it it might get ugly down there. Like, I'm not talking about, like, they're going to fire Gus or whatever, but, like, that belief in we hired the right guy and he's going to get us back to the top of the heap takes a severe blow if Cincinnati controls that game. Oh, yeah. If they win, everybody's pretty much back on board. It'll be their fourth loss in a row to us. They are... Unless something just absolutely wild happens, they will have not made the conference championship again. Um, they look at it as like, this is how we're, I mean, I'm just saying this because I've, I've put myself through, through some stuff trying to get as much info as I can. Like they are, they're already looking at this as what does this mean for us going to the big 12? How far away are we, you know, um, Are we going to be the worst team? Like, if they lose this, they're convinced. I've never seen a fan base more concerned with not getting game day because they lost to ECU. I, I, I was not coming to Cincinnati. I still think, uh, yeah, I still think break. senile old uh, Corso was Corso. just talking out of his ass. They, they are all convinced that if they would have beaten ECU, that it, they would have gotten game day. It was 15 minutes to start a podcast I listened to the other day. It was just about that. They just did that game in the not-so-distant past, right? Right? Like, they did Cincinnati at the bounce house. Yes. They're not coming back for that for a team that's barely in the top 25 and a team that's not ranked. Give me a break. They were hey, not going to UCF I'm for that game. I'm just telling you what I've heard. I know. Like, I, Corso said it. I saw, like, I, I, I'm telling you my reaction to that. Even, like, last week, as that talk was building. Oh, I never oh, believed it for a second. game, game never, is going to be there. I never Fuck believed it for here. a second. No. Right. We're in the same boat on that. No, but if, if they don't come out. A certain way. Where's game day going, Dave? Do we know? Jackson State. Uh, uh. Their thinking was since Syracuse lost to Clemson, if they'd have won, they'd have gotten game day. And then it's going to Jackson it's going State. To Jackson State. Hey, I'm, uh. I'm not saying it's right. Maybe I take I'm back gonna... those F words. <laughs> maybe it would have. Maybe it would have. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it would have. Um. I was expecting you to tell me some like, like legit... Michigan, like Ohio State, Penn State, right? Yeah, like no. something that, like, yeah, okay. So, um, well, I but... know, like, I, I'm aware of Deion Sanders being at Jackson <laughs> State. Jesus fucking Christ, guys! I'm saying if that's where game day is going, there's a chance that it would have could have been. UCF there's a chance that that wasn't their their first. Choice, right? Like I, that, yeah, no. I tell you what, but like I'm expecting them to come out. If they don't come out like ready to beat the Chiefs, then I think that tells us a lot about where that program is. Because I'm going to expect after the last couple weeks uh, and where we are now, like, you know, talk about November, you talk about 
putting yourself in a position to go to the conference championship. Like this is when I expect UC to be playing at whatever their their best is. Um, and I just trust I trust Fick. I trust the defense. I trust the run game, and I just I think they're going to go down there and, and figure out a way, and it might not be pretty at times, and they might do some stuff to make us want to, you know, have some reactions <laughs> that we had the last couple games, but, like, I don't know, maybe, I mean, you can say it's homerism, you can say it's blind faith, but, like, this team's won in every situation that we've pretty much that they've been putting outside of beating two of the premier programs in the country in, in bowl games. Like they won, they've winning won. on the road in the SEC in week one after losing half your roster to the yeah. NFL. I mean, they've, they've won, they've won hard road games. They've won blowout road games with nobody in the stands. They've won. And every which way you can imagine at home, like this team is just tested. And I don't think this UCF team is tested. Like they've, you know, they they had a real nice game against SMU at home, and then the two two other teams that I would say are the two other best teams they've played this year, they lost to both of them, one at home and one on the road, and one of them wasn't particularly close. Right. Um, what did you think of Fick's comments? Just taking a direct shot at Tulsa and SMU. Uh, did you hear it? Did you I catch it? I don't think I did. Oh, he was talking about um, playing at UCF and said, basically, no offense, but this is the first road game we've played since Arkansas. Oh. Well, I mean, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that he actually said it out loud. Which, I mean, we I think we said this, talked about this last year, like, I think it's got to be harder to play a road game at an SMU yeah. or Tulsa versus an Arkansas Notre Dame, especially like a new UCF. It's you, you, you know, it's eleven local. It's noon back home. You're at the stadium at nine o'clock in the morning. Like I know, you, I know it's the, you know, bring your own juice. Like, don't rely on the other team or the atmosphere to... But some put... juices are better than others. Right. And it's it's a sustained <laughs> thing, too. It's like they went up 10 nothing, and I'm not saying that they... They went 17-0. Well, true, it was 17 nothing. And I'm not saying that they mailed it in or anything, but, like, you can probably... I mean, there were so few people there. You're up 17 nothing. I'm sure you can just hear what the fans are saying in, right. in, in the stands behind your bench. And it's just, it's got to be human nature to just be like, these dudes stink. There's nobody right. here. There's nobody here. Like, let's just get this thing over with. And and you have to guard against that. And that's what coaches are for. And that's what the players are supposed to be better than that. But I, I do think it's like a real thing. Yeah, but I they, mean, like. But they should also be used to it because they've been dealing with it for how many years? So. Yeah, I, I think the main thing, though, is like. What I think is interesting to me is is the the ebb and flow of like these guys have played over half of their games in their career at Nippert. Mm-hmm. 
so they're used to energy, right? Like whether yeah. whether it's energy for you, energy for them, whatever the like whatever the case may be, there's energy. And then you go somewhere else and it's just like, you know, you're playing the spring game. Like that that it's got to be difficult like I said, especially those like those noon kickoffs where you're in the stadium at 9, 9.30 in the morning, which means you probably got up at 7, 7.30. Not that that's anything new to these guys because they get up and they're, you know, working out with Brady and 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 active early every day. But that's got to be really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Do you like the 3.30 kick? Yeah. I mean, I think it. That gives UC a bit of an advantage. I mean, I think a night, just like at UC, a night, a night game in in Nippert is always a more raucous crowd. A night game at the at the bounce house is always a more raucous crowd. Um, yeah. So if there's any advantage to be made from that, I guess it would be a, a very small one. But um, how yeah. much do you think they're they're and I guess this this goes back to your start fast, because if it's if it's ten nothing UCF at the end of the first quarter, that place is going to be yeah highly uh, engaged for sure. If it's thirteen nothing, seventeen nothing Cincinnati at the end of the first quarter, it's going to be a different atmosphere. It won't be as bouncy. No, the house won't be as bouncy. Like somebody unplugged the. Uh, the fan from the wall uh, to the to the bounce house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, and I just think that they're, I think last week, I mean, honestly, I think last week zapped a lot of juice out of. Yeah, out it's crazy. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a game, like, deflate a fan base as much as that one did. Because boy, they were feeling themselves after Temple. Well, I think they just they looked at it as like, okay, we got we SMU, good showing against a, a fairly good team. Temple, holy shit, put up seven. Should have beat the hell out of them. Beat the hell out of them. Beat the piss out of them. Okay, now let's just go take care of business at ECU, and then we get Cincinnati at home with the conference on the line and all those things. And then they got Tulane in what two weeks. Something like that. Yeah, they, well, they go. That's the thing is they okay. So they lose the ECU, they got us. They go to Memphis and two to Tulane. It's none of those are gimmies. I mean, I think Gus has won one road game since he's been at UCF. And I think that's FAU. Really? This year. Period. Yeah. They haven't won a conference road game? I don't think so. I don't think they won a conference road game last year. They haven't played one yet this year. Wow. Dave coming with the stats. So I think they're still like on edge being like, okay, like it's one thing to go and lose to ECU, but like the way they looked does not like, and I think that's kind of I. I said that after like late night Saturday, and 
I said that right there is the perfect example of the difference between where UC is currently. They won one. They won one last year? Uh, at Temple, 49 okay. to 7. Okay. Lost, uh, lost at Louisville, lost at Navy, lost at Cincinnati. One at, at Temple, lost at SMU. Is oh, yeah, this SMU. 2021? Yeah, 2021. They lost to Tulsa yeah. the year before that, I think. Right, right, right. And then they had UConn and South Florida at home. So, yeah, they, they only won one road game. Uh, one and four away from home. Yeah, so like UC has found ways to win on the road. It's not always been pretty, you know, but they have figured it out. Whereas yeah. UCF not only hasn't figured it out, like they're getting beat bad. And then, like you said, the rest of their schedule, Cincinnati at home, second week in a row, somebody has scheduled UC for their homecoming. I, I don't understand it. No. Um, and then at Memphis, at Tulane, Navy at home, at South Florida. And then they put the AAC championship game on their schedule on their okay. website. That's a, a thing that's happening the first weekend in December. Gus on the hot seat. No. 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 no but. Right? They're recruiting well. He's still a good coach. I just think that they're they're kind of I don't know. It's just it's confusing to me as an outsider. I mean, they're replacing a total scrub and Josh Heupel. Like you know, sometimes you got to rebuild the program. Yeah, I mean, what's he been doing lately? <laughs> I could have a really really good Saturday, or I could have a really bad one. Yeah, that Kentucky game's tricky, right? It's in Lexington? No, it's at home. Oh, it's at home? Yeah. Yeah. I think but, they take care of Kentucky at home, but it, it is tricky. I do too, but yeah, I mean, they're... But no, I, I just, like, the more I think about it, I know a lot of people are nervous and everything, and I just, I don't get that way anymore. Like, I we, I cover the team too much. Like, I, they either, they're either going to win or they're going to lose. Nothing that I'm going to do is going to have any bearing on it, but right. And we're going to have to talk they, about it either way. And they might go down there and, and lay an egg and UCF might play great. That's the other thing too. Like UC does not lay eggs regardless of who they play, where it's at. Like the, when's the last time you just walked out of a game and was like, wow, didn't see that one coming. 2017, Ohio state, maybe in 2019. Yeah. I mean like, where you were legitimately were just like, holy shit, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe we didn't think we were going to win, but like, oh my God, what what was that? Right. Ohio State in 2019, I think. Yeah, probably. The last time they laid an egg. So, I mean, like, they can they can absolutely go down there and lose. You, I mean, the UCF has the talent. UC's offense is not playing great. That's well, well within the realm of possibility. I just look at it as they have been so, so inconsistent, especially offensively. And they're just, they're stepping up such a weight class in the defense they're going to play. And I just think Luke is, is a really, really damn good coach and knows the buttons to push. 
And I just and, tru- I just trust him and these guys more than I trust what I've seen from UCF. He made it very clear. Like, I will never forget 2017 playing them. Yeah. I will never let that leave my stream of consciousness when I see UCF on the schedule. I, I thought it was interesting that that the way he talked up the rivalry and the way that that he made it pretty clear, like, no, these guys are always circled. Like, these guys are always going to be, like, top of mind. Whether they're good, they're not good, no matter what the situation is, we are well aware of UCF week. Which you would expect from him, because he's the most competitive person on the planet, and they got their ass kicked. Yeah. Now, what, Jabari and Huber are the only guys left? From, from that, that? From the from that team? Yeah. Was that 17? Yeah, I think those are the only guys left. Uh, I mean, I would think so. I didn't even know that they were on that team. They didn't play, but they were freshmen. Like, they were 2017 recruits. These, this is... Yeah, this is year six for both of them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's the only it has to be the only two. Uh, the the whole thing on this is interesting. Like um, the SMU scheduling UC is homecoming, UCF scheduling UC is homecoming. Um, my thought, my belief, like you always schedule homecoming coming against a team that you feel like you should you should handle. Fairly easily. You would think. I mean, last year it was what Tulsa. This year it was SMU or uh, South Florida. Yeah, I think the Tulsa thing last year was just. Uh, no, Hicks was 2018. 18. Tulsa, I think, was more like there just wasn't another time because of the way the the home road. Sure. Like you don't want to schedule homecoming in November. Would have been like this year if it if it wouldn't have been right. South South Florida, it would have been Navy, and that's not Navy. until November. Right. You don't want to schedule homecoming in November. Um, somebody brought up an interesting point when talking about it, and I can't remember. It might have been Aaron. If it was Aaron, he can chime in. But somebody said, "You do that so you can sell tickets." Usually, right. if you're not yeah. if, they're, if they're not if you're not great. Well, just if you struggle to sell tickets, right? That's Forget I mean. about whether you're great or not. Like. SMU might have been great, and that game would have struggled to sell tickets because they just don't sell tickets. So you look at Cincinnati and you say, okay, the big dog's coming in. This is going to be our best chance to sell tickets. It clearly had a positive effect. Well, imagine if it wasn't homecoming. (laughs) Right? I mean, would have been hundreds less. (laughs) Because there was only hundreds there to begin with. Uh, what's up, Michael Beers? How you doing, brother? Um, yeah, so that, like that, I guess that's the thought process. But I wouldn't think UCF would have to resort to scheduling Cincinnati for homecoming to sell tickets. But apparently, it's not sold out, and they're putting like ticket packages together to try to like push this game. 
SMU announced like 23-5. There's no way there were that many people there. There's no chance. Do 23,000 people fit on that hill? Or do 20,000 people fit on that hill? Because there couldn't have been 3,000 in the stands. I mean, what kind of student section do you have that you're just like, yeah, just go sit on that hill? <laughs> it's like a concert. Lambics of 23.5 yeah. people. A free one. Yeah. Uh, if on the rivalry, if Fick can get the team up for Miami, he can get them up for UCF. Well, I think you can argue that wasn't a team that was up for Miami if you watched the start of that game. <laughs> they have the same amount of reverence for them as I do. Yeah, that 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 wasn't exactly. Um, <laughs> they, they didn't come out of the 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 tunnel breathing fire. They were, they were not one of the dragons from House of Dragon at the beginning of the uh, Miami game this year. They come out like that. It's going to be an issue. Yeah. In, in, mm-hmm. Against Orlando Tech. Um, all right. What's your uh, what's your prediction, Dave? Um, I think we ride, ride the D-line and, and, and chunk McClellan to another uh, close victory. I'm going to say uh, – I'm going to say 31-24. Ride the D-line without Jabari, that worries me. If, if he's not, he didn't practice Tuesday. Um, he was out there. He was like doing work on the side. Uh, they're going to they're gonna do everything they can to get him ready. Such a weird injury. I guess he just like, I guess he tried to change direction. And as he tried to change direction, his hand, like, it, when's the last time you heard of a, hamstring injury for a defensive lineman not often well actually you know what's amazing i I was talking to somebody tuesday so that's the the first soft tissue injury in like multiple multiple years yeah like you never hear of hamstring calf quad like those are just injuries for whatever reason brady and and his team do a phenomenal job he went out early. They still had six sacks. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, still, do, do you feel better with Jabari or without Jabari? Well, of course. Of course I feel better. But, like, like if, if you're if you're talking about the defensive line dominating, you've already lost Malik. I would feel a lot better if Jabari Taylor was in the game if I'm looking for the defensive line to dominate as well. Of course. I'm but I'm, I'm not – I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but just a weird – a weird – defensive end injury like i don't remember the last time i've ever heard of a, a defensive end with a with a hamstring but um yeah but jabari's not like a jabari's quick but he's not like a like a my J, like a super explosive i think if they can get him to the point where they can get him on the field i think he'll be okay um so what you, what was your 31 31 24 Okay. And doesn't this go back to, to what we've kind of talked about? Who's going to get to 30? Who's going to score enough to beat the Bearcats? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do some good stuff or take advantage of some, some poor, poor play offensively. Um, to do that, it's happened. I want to say less than five times dating back. I think four is the number. I think four times dating back to to twenty twenty. 
2019, one of the two. Well, Memphis did it. Memphis got there, yeah. Back-to-back games in 2019. And Bama got there, right? No, Bama scored like 27. Okay. Bama didn't get the – it was 27 to 6 or something like that. Yeah. I knew they were close. Um, Yeah. Like, subscribe, comment, do all that stuff on the YouTube channel. Um, but, yeah, I just – like. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the guys that have won eight straight on the road, won nineteen straight, twenty nine. So they were I was off by one. Um, well, that means that they didn't score thirty. They did. Uh, didn't. They did. The, they, did <laughs> they did the week before, but not in yeah. the title. Um, That's because probably because Ben was playing quarterback. They pro- scored. Probably his fault. Probably um, everything's his fault. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I'm just gonna trust them, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'd have a. I don't think you can fault me for trusting this staff and and this defense to yeah. figure out a way to get one, get another one done against an offense that is wildly inconsistent. It is not a juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um. Anything else you want to get to? Football wise, anything uh, anything around the country? I'll answer Mr. Beer's question real quick. Yes, they will still be on ESPN Plus at some point. And somebody asked if if the Big uh, Twelve still plays noon games. Yes, they do. A lot of everybody ready, plays noon games. Get ready a lot more. Get ready for a lot of them. Yeah. Eleven a.m. Central. They love those eleven a.m. Central kickoffs. There will be yes. The a lot of UC home games moving forward will be at noon. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not good, but like I think every Ohio State game has been at noon this year. Yeah, I mean it's it's a Big Ten, Big Twelve. Like those are which is got even drive more them, so than the ACC. The ACC doesn't it doesn't feel like they play a ton of noon. Drive games. them crazy, but like that's what happens when you get big noon kickoff and you're the marquee team. Like you're going to be on that Fox game more t- more times right. than anybody else. Yeah, but yeah, I think with. With um, whenever the new contract is done, whether it's sooner in a year and a half, there's the thirty point games, Dave. Memphis yeah. and Ohio State in nineteen, UCF in twenty, Arkansas this year. Three losses and a win. Can you see which one was a win? I can. <laughs> it's also that one was on the road. It was a COVID road game, but yeah. In the well, it wasn't. They let it. They that UCF wasn't uh, concerned with uh, COVID attendance, Dave. I don't blame them. I, I'm not saying I blame them. <laughs> I'm saying that wasn't an empty bounce house. No, like yeah, a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of 2020 games that are uh, different than the others. There's some 2020 games that are different than the others. For sure. UCF was like, we can get people in here for the Cincinnati game. Everybody come on in. No No ticket necessary. Just show up and the gates are open. (laughs) Uh, No, I I don't really have much. This is kind of a quiet weekend. There's not, there's not many like, um, if you've got some family responsibilities or need to go pick some apples or get some pumpkins or something, this this would be your Saturday to do it. Yeah, and then, you know, when you get done with that in the morning, you get yourself down to the Holy Grail, get situated, get ready for the game. 
Not definitely not like uh, two weeks ago. So, right. Very, very much agree. Um, basketball, we're what eleven days, twelve days, eleven days from the start of the season. Uh, I did catch another practice uh, yesterday. It is uh, it is definitely a situation where there was uh, there was a focus on offense when adding to the roster. Uh, defensively, they offensively they they look a lot better. Uh, defensively, there's there's work to be done as we head towards uh, a trip to Maui here in about a month. Um, what what did you think of Wes talking about? Uh, Quietly kind of gritting his teeth through disdain, uh, but talking about playing more zone with this team if it's the right thing to do. This is news to me, man. <clears throat> what, th- that they might play some zone? Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I haven't had a chance to see anything from Mr. Miller. Uh, uh, I, I had a lot of fun with him, too, because I know he hates zone. Like, you know, he's a guy that just grew up – like, uh, most – most basketball coaches grow up man to man is the way to play basketball the right way. Um, so he mentioned just kind of in passing that they were implementing some zone and I felt like it would be a good time to have some fun with them. So I asked him like, you know, I'm not asking you what zone you're going to play, but like, you know, what was Wes Miller's preferred zone? Uh, as he was was growing up and getting into this world, are you a two three guy? Are you a one three one guy? Are you a matchup guy? And he just started laughing and gave me like a look, like you asshole. <laughs> you know I don't have a zone. I hate zone. Uh, but he gave a very diplomatic diplomatic answer as to what what kind of zone they would be playing, and then basically said, "I'm not telling you." Like, you know, <laughs> we're working on that in practice, and I'm not telling you what kind of zone. And 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 yes, Jason, that was the game that they had the, the COVID outbreak that allowed them to not want the smoke from Tulsaine. Uh yeah, they they maybe they do owe everything to UCF. I back at the time I likened it to like spring break. Like, you know, <laughs> a bunch of teenagers went down to Florida and came home with a virus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, they're always bringing some visitors in. Well, if, if anybody would come in before the early signing period, I think it would be uh, Devon Dede Thomas. Um, but I haven't heard of anything locked in yet. And signing day is like three weeks, two and a half weeks away. Two or let's see, two weeks away. So if he's visiting before signing day, it's going to have to be real soon. Yeah, just Florida in general. Like, you go to Florida, there's a good chance you might come home with something you, you don't want to talk about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where things are at basketball-wise. Um, hopefully next week we'll, you know, with the, the start of the season, a couple days away, we'll try to get into a little bit more basketball stuff. Next week, Aaron and company are working on Terry Nelson 
uh, for PTP next Tuesday night. So put that on your uh, your agendas, 9.15 next week. Uh, see if they can get Terry. Um, I don't know. I don't have a, a ton else. Do you? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, was it last week or the week before uh, new Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark uh, say caused a bit of a stir talking about possibly having a new television contract in place in the next week or two. Uh, it seems that those that type of uh, timeline has maybe been walked back a little bit. Um, not saying that it's going to go the f- you know full sixteen months, but it, it it doesn't feel like at least to me that like all of a sudden and I, again with this shit you could be totally wrong. It could um, be tomorrow. It just yes, it just doesn't feel like he's. As bullish, it could be 16 months from now. As bullish as he as he sounded a week or so ago about um, the the quickness of it. Um, I will say the Big 12 is definitely helping itself out. They are getting some outstanding ratings, uh, especially on FS1. Yeah. With teams that are not Oklahoma and Texas, and on a network FS1 that does not get generally outstanding ratings no i mean they don't they you don't typically get over a million viewers on fs1 and they've had four games this year over a million and none of them have had texas and oklahoma in them right that's a good sign it's a very, very good sign Kayakov today oh uh, did you did you did you keep up with much of that he kind of made a clown of himself today. i mean like I, I saw a little bit of it, but so like my question would just be like, you know, he, he made a comment about UCLA and USC and how they, you know, he's been told by dozens and dozens of people then that they don't want to go or whatever, whatever, however he phrased it. I'd be like, I would just be like, well, why did they say they don't want to go? Like, why is there no follow-up question to him ever? Right. Like, okay, I'm not asking you to tell me what they said, what, who said it, or any, like, just why do they say they don't want to go? Like, you yeah. keep coming up with these things about more times in airplanes and more times on buses, and which, I mean, I guess is true, but that there's a, there's a cost. Look, and, and here's the thing. He was taught, like, do, do you really think the, the USC softball team wants to go to – uh, to, to Wisconsin and and April. Well, let me explain something to you, George. If your source of reference is the USC softball team, come on, buddy. USC softball like, team might not be a thing in a in a while. Like, um, you know, you're being disingenuous if, right, if like, that's your reference. Like, are you talking to the USC softball coach or are you talking to Mick Cronin? Because I guarantee you what Mick Cronin, I can guess what Mick Cronin thinks of this. Oh, I, I can tell you. Like, I'm, I'm going to guess he, he likes this. He gets a chance to go back east and, like, have a presence on the East Coast in New York and New Jersey and the Midwest. And to, to not only have the West Coast recruiting that's built into UCLA, but then to sell in recruiting. Oh yeah. Like every other year we're going to, you know, every year or two, every year, we're going to be out here. You're going to get to play at home. You're going to get to play in front of your family. Conference you tournament. You think he doesn't like that? In Chicago or Indy or. Right. That's what like, yeah. You, you think, you think he's upset about that? 
you're not paying attention. <laughs> right? You're not paying attention. You're not talking to him because he's not one of the people that's telling you what you want to hear. Right. Like you're not calling Mick and asking him for his opinion on joining the Big Ten. Uh, the other thing was like, I guess he got a little salty that like he wrote a letter to the the UC Regents and it got leaked. Oh, uh, the, well, they asked him to. I think they asked him for, to provide the information. And well, the, re- the, the letter got leaked, and then they followed up with it. I guess with like, you care to care to talk about this? Right, but I, I don't think he did it on his own volition. I think they asked him to provide yeah. data and information to them to help them make a decision on. But then, yes, but then apparently that letter got leaked. Yeah, not a good look for uh, for our boy. He's just. He, seems he comes to be, off. He seems as, to be a little in over his head. He comes off as defensive and like kind of reeling, like uncomfortable. Yeah. As to where Brett Yormark is very confident and very sure of himself. And he might have reasons to be, but if he doesn't, he's not, he's definitely fooling all of us. And that's part of this game. Exactly. Because what's everybody saying when they talk about the Pac-12 right now? They got a guy in charge that's not, like, he's not projecting well. No he's juice. projecting from a place of fear. Shit, they got, like, UCLA, or USC, Oregon, UCLA, up until this week against Oregon, they got some some damn teams that are playing some damn good football yeah, this year. USC and UCLA are gone. Right, but I just, but I still like, they're just not like, it's still not even like, that shows you just how much they're just not in the the collective conscious of the mainstream football world. Like, I know about it, you know about it, our diehards know about it, like, some of the podcasts I listen to know about it, but like, the collective conscious does not pay any attention to them, whether they have good teams or not. It's a great point, Jason. I wouldn't mind playing poker with George. No thanks with your mark. George seems to be an emotional guy. You you can read exactly what two cards are in George George's hands. The the range of his hand very obvious very quickly. Your mark, nah, man. That's a dude. That's a dude that's playing nine two offsuit with some confidence. I would say uh, I'll answer this one. I did talk to Dan earlier in the week. Uh, what's his How's he doing? We haven't heard from him in a while. He's doing well. Things things are happening behind the scenes. It's it's slow, but things are happening. Um, he did say to don't be surprised if the Big Twelve signs a, a short term extension. Uh, you know, in the two like to three th- to five years. No, like in the two to three year window. Short short term extension of. And then sees how the expanded playoff uh, see sees what happens with that when that officially starts. I think it would, I think it would make sense to not be in an agreement without knowing when the playoff is going to start. Yeah, because. When you look at like when this when this all hits, I know everybody says 
it's going to impact, like it's going to lessen the meaning of the regular season. Where I disagree with that is this window right here from like mid-October into like late November. It does, it does both. It lessens the regular season for a team like Ohio State or Alabama. Sure. Where they can lose maybe two games and still make the playoff. Sure. But at the same time. I'm talking about big right. picture. At the same time, this time of year right now, 25 teams probably would still be like, we can make the playoff. 30 to 40 teams would be like, we where, can make the playoff. Where before, I'm just I'm just throwing that in. I know. I mean, where before, like the first poll comes out, like instantly, you know, like if you're not in this particular range, range you basically have no shot. Yeah. So, yes, while, while it can be annoying that a team that already gets has all the advantages – can now lose multiple games and still probably make the playoffs. Sure, that is annoying. I, I understand that. But agree with that for the most part. Right. But I would I still think it's it's that is not as big of a negative as it is a positive that more teams will have chances, more team seasons like you know, you know, just talking about it from a UC standpoint, like we 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 are in these seasons where it's like it's not only Last year excluded, like, if we want to do what we want to do as fans, like, we've got to go basically, you know, one loss undefeated, and that doesn't even count the playoff. I think going to the Big 12 will relax our fan base some, knowing that, yes, losses are more likely, but they're also not debilitating. Right. Like, I do think that's, and maybe that's something Aaron and I will get into on the nightcap tonight. Um, like, yes, we're going to lose more games because we're just playing much better teams on a week-in and week-out basis. But in in relation, those losses aren't season enders, assuming you don't have, you know, three, four, five, whatever the number might be. Right, and that's what I mean. Like, I think there has been, like, when you talk about it, we've talked about this a lot, the, like the stress on the fan base of, like, week to week not beating teams by 25 30 points or whatever to me it's it's gotten to the point where it's like it's not even like that it's just like you you can't even enjoy the win because that's what I'm talking about it but it like sucks it out of you that it was even that it was close and then you can't transition to like yeah but the only thing that matters is winning whereas next year it doesn't matter. Just get get the Win, shit baby. get the shit done, and because we know that there's going to be more losses, but those losses don't carry don't carry as much weight. Right, right, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. It's like there's an incredible weight on the shoulders of a fan that knows every loss can end up being debilitating, and you like, and and even more so in the American, where like you're playing for something important. And if you don't reach that something important, you're going to Birmingham. It's like, yeah, it's like, and I, this isn't my thinking, but I understand it. It's like, if you don't go to the conference championship game and you don't win the conference championship, then that's like a failure of a season. Right. Because there's, there's no, there's no, there's no in between in this conference for UC. And now they've done it to themselves. And that's sure. fine. Like, I, I want to be in that position. I would much rather be in that position. Then like then uh, battling for the the sixth place bowl in the American, yeah. But it does make it it makes it a harder it makes it a harder a harder go a harder 
you're yeah. threading a very difficult needle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, not – I think next week, no, for the Big 12 schedule. Um, it sounds now more like end of November, beginning of December. Thought it was. It seems to be. Seems to keep moving. I don't know if maybe the Big Ten putting theirs out will get everybody else um, moving. More motivated. But no, I don't. I do not think that it will be next week. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Another great crowd tonight. Thanks for the donations. Thanks for the subscriptions. A lot of you guys in here now have the little subscription badge if you don't have one and you want to get one uh right under the screen you just click join um it's five bucks and you can be a uh a member of the the youtube channel for this month um how will the aac recap lend itself to basketball i mean we're gonna have to do one like i would guess it again it'll be on sunday because you're there's generally not many games on monday there are, once football ends, uh, quite a few Sunday games in, like, late January into February through the end of the season. I would guess it'll stay uh, Sunday night for now unless, you know, unless things change. But that's... Sounds awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's going to be really exciting. I can't wait. All right, let's get out of here. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks, as always, to the Holy Grail. We'll see you next week. It's the BCJ Podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.